0: This episode is sponsored by SIBO Technologies, creator of SIBO Enterprise, a proven, cloud-based platform that provides visibility to ESG, Carbon and Scope 3 initiatives across a grower network. For more information, please visit cibotechnologies.com.
1: From Green Biz Group, welcome to this week's edition of 3.50. I'm Joel McCower here in Scottsdale, Arizona, the scene of Green Biz 22. On this week's edition, the sights and sound of Green Biz 22, Sanda Ojombo on human rights and supply chains, Paul Pullman on courageous leadership, Albert's Hana Kachimora on embedding sustainability in corporate purpose, and why companies are digging in to circular mining. We've hit the mother load this week on 350. It's February 18th, 2022. Welcome to another edition of Green Biz 50, the special edition here from. Green Biz 22, always glad to have you with us. And joining me here in Scottsdale is our beloved editorial director and my favorite co-host of all time, Heather Clancy.
0: (laughs) Hi, Joel. You know why it's a special edition?
1: Uh, Because we're here in uh, Scottsdale.
0: Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, my dear friend Joel. Happy birthday to you.
1: Uh, thank you that's that's so nice as I as I announced to the uh, green biz audience that I'm I'm turning 40 for the fourth <laughs> time <laughs> yeah, yeah the fourth time I think <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, the big 70 for me uh, this weekend and uh, they threw me a lovely uh, party here uh, the other night here at uh, green Biz 22 and uh, cake and the whole the whole thing Caboodle here, so that was fun. But let's move on to the actual event. I mean, we had uh, first of all just remarkable thirteen or plus more than thirteen hundred people here in Scottsdale, our biggest green biz ever. Uh, in that, in spite of the uh, travel bans that a lot of companies still have, and just people's concerns or they have infants at home, any number of reasons they weren't able to join us. But um, uh, aside from the numbers, which are Good, but it was just a remarkable event. It was so much fun for everybody here to come back together to bring the band back together.
0: The energy was really wonderful. I think people are so excited to share and see each other. And I, um, I had so many wonderful experiences just with all of the different levels of, of people that were here. There were a lot of new people, not newbies. Lots of people who have been here many times before. Uh, the food was great. I've, had a, I've heard a lot of great comments on our vegetarian slash vegan decision um, to, to have all the meals be focused on that. And I, I think a lot of people were thought provoked by that, right? They're thinking about, oh, how do I do that? What what should I be doing? And w- what choices should I make? So that was, a, um, I think, a really kudos to our organizers for for taking that step. Um, yeah, I just, this place is lovely. It It was lovely this week, and I'm so excited to be back.
1: And we got to meet many of our 350 listeners. Uh, it was really fun for the, those of you who came up to us and said, uh, I, "I love your podcast." Yeah. I mean, it's you know, we we put it out there every week, and we love to. Uh, we we assume that we hear anecdotally people say, "Oh yeah, I listen to this here and there." But just people coming up and you know, meeting us as it, we're in the flesh. And Heather, I know you had a lot of fanboys yeah. and fangirls uh, just coming up to you. Which is just, is this lovely?
0: it was very yes thank you by the way yes it's always wonderful to hear that someone's actually listening to you or reading you or and I I spent a lot of time this week just talking to people I think um, that for me was very enriching and have so many story ideas I don't know where to start but uh, yeah I'm I'm so energized now exhausted but energized just like your video (laughs) so for those of you haven't watched the live stream, you really should because Joel did a great um, video that sort of depicts the dilemma that, that every sustainability professional faces every morning, you know, the, the doom the doom and gloom kind of side of it, but then the, the absolutely overwhelming optimism that you feel and sort of the, the, the ping-ponging back and forth uh, of that emotional, you know, feel, those emotional uh, differences every day, so. Thank you for
1: doing that. Yeah, that's kind of the duality in which people in sustainability operate. This incredible achievements and commitments and goals and 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 Things to be proud of, and yet, you know, the understanding that this isn't moving fast enough—that the that that a lot of the goals are kind of just uh, tinkering at the margins—and you know, we go from hopeful to uh, depressed <laughs> to uh, excited to frustrated in, in in the course of a day, and so—or an hour, or an hour, <laughs> hour yeah—and and so wanted to bring that to life, and it was sort of, in sort of a fun way, and, and there were people who said um have you been living in my brain <laughs> so it did strike a nerve mm-hmm. um, so yeah so this uh week we're going to you know skip over the usual week in review and just sort of play some of the of the segments that um, that heather has picked out for us this week uh, from uh, the main stage but before we do that uh, heather i know you did uh, some breakouts uh what was what was fun for you this week what was interesting and and educational
0: well so probably I'll, I'll speak to, to a, a pair of breakouts first, and then uh, the one that really I had a lot of fun moderating. I did not expect it to be as popular as it was. Um, I actually spent a lot of time in sessions focused on mentorship and intergenerational collaboration and how what I can learn from, from the next generation. And, and so that, for me as a manager, just was very enriching, regardless of whether I'm in sustainability or not. And there were a lot, quite a few of our um, 30 under 30 cohort was here um, from the, the past six years that we've done it. By the way, nominate yourself, nominate someone else. We have the current um, nomination is underway on the site, um, but that was very enriching. And I feel like the career, there's something different happening, right? With the, We now see as sustainability is being embedded in organizations, this community is trying to figure out how we train others, how we inspire, Others in different roles, but also inspire the next generation. Oh, by the way, vice versa, because we have way probably more my my, my humble experience to learn from the people coming up that are going to have to live with the results of this. Um, they're so passionate, and we have so much to learn, and, and the way we can empower them to take to pick up the mantle. So that was um, really exciting for me. But the 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 thing that kind of surprised me was because uh, it's, it's, it's something I've been thinking about. I actually wrote my column about this week. Um, is the whole concept of circular mining, I've talked about this before. there's so much activity going on with how do we get these minerals and materials and uh, metals that we need for the clean economy transition for everything from wind turbines to electric vehicles? How do we find these supplies and we we have to balance the you know mining right so there's a lot of mining that's got to come into this, you know, virgin extraction, and there, there, there's no way we're going to get around that. We really need to get on top of right now how we do that in the best way possible, and then what do we do with this, the the lower quote lower grade ore? Can we can we derive materials out of that? How do we find value in the scrap materials? And so I, I actually hosted a breakout session on that. And had some really terrific uh, participants. EcoBat, which is one of the, which is the world's largest battery recycler. I had BMW on it as an automotive maker, and then the International Copper Association, and just rich perspectives and so many great questions and so many wonderful uh, like, there's a lot of really good work going on there yeah. right now with that. So that for me was a uh, one of the big surprises. And since I'm writing about it a lot, there's a lot of startups in space. I I thought that was like a. I saw a lot of ahas in the audience on that one, but Joel, this is not your first rodeo. Uh, I'm just curious, like how how this is the biggest green biz as you referenced before. But like for what what was new for you at this particular event? What was new for you, and what was not new that um, is a touchstone?
1: Ooh, that's a hard one. I mean. Um... <laughs> You know, in in a sense, there's nothing new under the sustainability sun. I mean, it, it, it's just it's more of the same. The emphasis is on more, mm-hmm. uh, and I mean, in in the evolution of things, the evolution of um, finance, of uh, as you talking about in, in materials management and circular recycling and all of that. Uh, certainly in carbon and, and so it's a, a lot of in, in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm-hmm. It, it's it is not a lot of new topics here. Um, but I think what's interesting is, is to watch the field mature, uh, and for better or for worse, we you know we missed last year because of of, of COVID. Uh, at least in person, we had a virtual event. We were here in twenty twenty just before uh, the stuff really hit. Uh, was, was the last live event that we did at GreenBiz, and this, now it's the first one. Um, and you can tell uh, that the conversation has gotten richer mm. uh, and more nuanced, and uh, the people are really I think digging in a lot deeper. Than they have. so that's what's new. The topics, not so much, uh, but you know, people and, and and you know, to your point about uh, the the size and and the excitement of being here. When I went through the the roster of who was coming, the long long list of thirteen hundred plus people, I there are companies I some that I've never heard of, many that I've heard of but have never, to my knowledge, been engaged. Certainly at our events. Uh, or hadn't seen speaking, so there's a lot more companies that have come mm. to the table here, and that was really mm. the excitement. And that brings, and some of those, uh, some of those have people who have been there and done that in sustainability, and some have people or people who just kind of landed from outer space and are saying, "What what is this planet like?" <laughs> and and so. Uh, that's really interesting, and and what's so so amazingly wonderful about the GreenBiz community is that everybody's embraced, and you know come on over, I'll show you. Let me tell you how you do that. And I got you, you should meet so and so because they'll they've already done that, and 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 that collaborative spirit, that community spirit that that is just so palpable here. Uh, it gets richer every every time we we bring people together, and so that was 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 really really fun. But I I, I had uh, two sessions uh, with Paul Pullman, uh, who you may know is the uh, former CEO of Unilever, and uh, prior to that, with spent P&G. decades with P and G, and and um, and it's just really I mean he talks about courageous leadership, but I have to say he is probably modeling that as one of the most courageous leaders I've seen, and he just has a new book out called Net Positive, uh, co-authored with our, our good friend Andrew Winston, and. Um, he, you know, we did a uh, main stage uh, conversation and then a breakout. And the breakout was, I thought, uh, really fun because it, we basically gave the audience uh, some assignments to talk about at the tabletop level. And then they did some brief report outs of, you know, f- three or four or five of the tables. And then Paul responded in in just extraordinary fashion uh, talking in in not just sentences and paragraphs, but (laughs) chapters uh, about what he just heard. And we did the two rounds of that in just one hour. And it was really, I thought, fun. And people were engaged. We had, you know, I I counted like close to 250 people in the room. And and that was really, uh, I I think, the access to someone like Paul uh, at at that level of leadership is just something that the the community craves. Mm -hmm.
0: I loved his concept of collaborative capitalism he was talking about you know how you you, you have you can't compete to you know we, we can't compete the human race out of essentially existence like that that's the the danger of what what we've been doing and why we need to be working together to do good and to put ourselves in a better path
1: and i think you're going to have a excerpt from paul's main stage conversation coming up in a, in a little bit uh, so stay tuned for a number of segments from green biz 22 Okay, Heather, what do you have lined up for us?
0: We're going to start with Paul Pullman. In this one, he speaks about systems change and the responsibility of large companies to really put pressure on others to to act in a, a different way. So here's Paul Pullman.
2: Be much more system thinkers. I didn't want to have contingent labor on the payroll because, you know, My basic starting point is always how do you want to be treated in the way how do you treat others? How do you want to live with the planet in the way how you should treat it? So why should these people be there as temporaries on your payroll so you can get away with a lot of things that we shouldn't get away with. You know, this uberization of society is really a cancer that we should deal with. So we said all the contingent labor in Pakistan and India that we're all working in these tea factories and whatever, we make them permanent employees. Oh, that's way too much money. We can never survive. We can never compete, but we make them permanent employees. If you cannot compete that way, you shouldn't be in that business, in my opinion. So we make them permanent employees. No, but what you see, but what you see is a different thing. We make them permanent employees, but you don't have any more uh, attrition. You have higher productivity. If you start thinking in systems, you know, when, when Uber uh, Eats or whatever, Deliveroo, this was in the UK, Deliveroo came out and this, the guys came to my office because unfortunately they were all guys at that time, but they said, you know, we can have a billion more in turnover in ice cream because everybody, we could now call and within two minutes, we'll, we'll eat a wonderful Magnum here or a Ben and Jerry's. So um, but so my only question is how much do these people get paid? You know, these people weren't even paid a living wage for London. Yeah, yeah. It, and then meanwhile, you know, being in traffic and being exposed to all the risks that nobody seems to care about, I don't want to sell my ice cream that way. So we said to Deliveroo, you go to London living wage if you want to have to do business with us. They did, to their credit. So this is what net positive is all about, is use your size and scale to change the system around you. We were the first ones issuing green bonds, uh, not to dwell on. But I didn't need any green bonds because we were well above the qualifications of green bonds. But the banks were eager to deal with Unilever. So I said, the only way you can deal with us is if you stop financing this illegal deforestation that's going on in the world. So you use your size and scale to drive this broader systems. Yeah. That's how we need to think about yeah. things. I call it the multiplier effect. You know, my socks is for water. I buy these socks some money goes to water. They call it conscious steps. I feel happier, I still need my socks, but it's a multiplier effect. That's how we should be living our lives.
0: <laughs> I had the pleasure of interviewing the CEO and executive director of the UN Global Compact, Sanda Ogiombo, and here she speaks about supply chains and why they need to be embedded more strategically and thoroughly into the sustainability strategies of larger companies.
3: So here's Sanda Ojambo you know, this has to be done from a corporate strategy perspective. You know, your supply chain is not incidental. Your externalities are not inc- incidental to how you do your core business. And I think that is a really important uh, perspective to start with. I think businesses need to take the full ecosystem into consideration, look at who your stakeholders are and, and the impact that they have on your business as a whole. Mm-hmm. So anything that you would do um, at your corporate headquarters, my, my question would be, can you take an analysis of the importance of that work and run it through your supply chain and see what it looks like there. Where do you have gaps? Where do you have improvement opportunities? And how do you leverage your supply chain to truly build resilience in your business for the long mm-hmm. term? And it's not just the big partners. No, it's all of them. You know, um, We've taken a keen interest in looking at the SME sector in our new strategy, primarily for two reasons. I mean, one, SMEs drive close to 80% of the economy, but Most SMEs also form part of the supply chain of a lot of large and successful companies, but yet they could be their weakest point if we don't take them into consideration. Look, I think that there's immense opportunity for for business growth and for business sustainability. The challenges play out very differently um, across the globe. Um, I would say, in a lot of developing and emerging economies, what, what you know, what the huge opportunity for me there is providing an enabling environment for business to thrive, providing more structure, access to finance an enabling environment and supporting regulatory environment for SMEs uh, to be able to grow and thrive would be one. I think the second and we see this playing out as we begin the discussions on the road to COP 27 and 28, particularly from a climate discussion, is how then we take what is an important global issue and make it relevant and and, and resonate for for developing and emerging economies, which is work around biodiversity, adaptation, resilience, making good on on commitments around climate financing and the impact that has on the ability for businesses to be sustainable on the long-term in those regions. In other regions, it's issues around human rights and and labor that we need to grapple with. But in others, perhaps it's lethargy and apathy within the the private sector and over-regulation. So I think there's balance to look at in terms of how this all comes to bear.
0: And finally, here's a highlight of my interview with Hana Kajimura, the head of global sustainability for Allbirds, the footwear brand that has really staked its entire company on being a purpose-driven organization and one that shares what it learns with others um, in sustainability with an open source point of view. So here's Hana Kajimura.
4: I realize we are at an extreme advantage here because we are young, we have a blank slate, we have a very limited product offering relatively and thus a pretty well-contained supply chain. Like we know all of our factories very well. And so we can build these relationships over many years and communicate those values through visits both in both directions. And I'd say what's been really exciting is to see over the last couple of years, this shift in uh, the asks that are being made between brands and supply chain, where I now have factories coming to me saying, we have a science-based target for 2030. What are you gonna do to help us meet that target? Because the materials that you buy and use in your product count towards our target. And that this like unlock where now finally it feels like we're all swimming in the same direction with mutual goals that we're trying to meet feels like it'll just accelerate change really quickly. My biggest takeaway from the last four and a half years at Allbirds is the power of leadership. This work is so hard that if you don't have leaders at the top who are willing to be bold and courageous, make, take a lot of the stands that Paul Pullman talked about yesterday, that it's impossible to make change. And so more from like a professional and sustainability kind of looking to to drive impact, it's find the leaders who are going to be bold and courageous and keep bringing your big ideas to the table. That was a big unlock that I've had in my time at Allbirds is I think I approached it early on when we were deciding to be a carbon neutral business. And I came to the table with a proposal around (laughs) offsetting our transportation footprint because I felt like it was a quick win. It was gonna, I could show how easy it was and then we could expand on. And our CEO just stopped me halfway through the presentation and said, why not the whole thing? And I never came back with an incremental idea again. And I think that's, that's all we can hope for here. And so keep, keep bringing those big ideas.
0: software company Salesforce this week signaled the next stage of its climate action strategy by establishing sustainability as a core value for the company, along with the concepts of trust, customer success, innovation, and equality. The move follows the disclosure earlier this month that Salesforce will determine a portion of what it calls executive variable pay according to four ESG measures. This year, that pay will be linked to increasing the representation of Black, Latinx, Indigenous, and multiracial employees. Executives will also be rewarded for reducing air travel emissions and for increasing spending with suppliers that have signed the Salesforce Sustainability Exhibit, which commits them to reducing their carbon footprints. Joining me to chat about these developments is Patrick Flynn, Senior Vice President and Global Head of Sustainability for Salesforce. Hey, Patrick.
5: Hey Heather, so good to speak with you again. How are you?
0: I am wonderful. It is really great to catch up. Uh, and I have to ask. My first question is: Tell me about. Give me the backstory here. Tell me about the process of turning sustainability into a core value. Why? Why this? Why now? What did it take?
5: Yeah, you know. And for those who are less familiar with Salesforce, it's most important to say up front: this is a big, big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Salesforce has a strategic process called the V2 MOM. Now that's an acronym, VVMOM. It stands for Vision, Values, Methods, Obstacles, and Measures. And you know there are articles about it, books about it. And the way it goes down is every year, everyone in the company publishes their V2 MOM for everyone in the company to see. And so what we have here with this news is at the corporate level, sustainability named as a value to the company, meaning everyone, when they're thinking about what their goals are for the year and how they'll make decisions underneath those goals and prioritize things, everyone is going to be looking at sustainability, climate impact, our role in addressing the climate emergency when they're thinking about how they're going to get their work done. Um, These values don't change very often, and for me, you know, this is the the culmination in a lot of ways of that strategy that heads of sustainability always espouse, which is to embed sustainability, embed this work really deeply into the organization and make it everyone's job Mm -hmm. for, for the way that manifests itself. Is getting something like this named as a value, so it is it is a big big deal, and we are so proud.
0: I'm not aware of. I mean, I'm, there could be other companies out there with it in it. I, I, I'm going to have to look, <laughs> but I am not aware of it. Um, and I believe, if I'm correctly, that equal, was Equality the last one you added.
5: Yeah, you know, Equality was added about five years ago. Um, it was we had three values and then added a fourth: equality. And and for those watching Salesforce and our actions and how we uh, show that business is a great platform for change over the last five years, you've seen equal pay initiatives. Us using our voice with discriminatory legislation across the United States and elsewhere, we've really leaned into equality on the heels of naming that. As a value. And I expect, you know, sure, we've been really focused on sustainability for a while and doing great things. But this is sort of like a a singularity type of moment. Like, it's hard to really know all that's going to come now that sustainability is named as a value.
0: Now it's there. (laughs) So the goals are coming in, or they probably have been set. Um, So how does this translate into a business strategy?
5: First of all, it means that everybody has now a relevance to sustainability and climate action in their job. And one of the ways that we've been able to achieve that already is with what we call net zero cloud. Um, Net zero cloud is uh, for all of our customers, the place to get to net zero fast, understand their full greenhouse gas emissions picture across scope one, two, and three, forecast, set goals, take action, work with those up and down their supply chain. And the way it came to be was really us all reflecting on what is Salesforce's superpower in this climate emergency? How do we bring what we do best in this moment where the world needs the best of what everybody's got? And for us, it's technology in the hands of our customers, helping them navigate successfully into the future. And nothing is going to test that navigational prowess like climate change will and like every company's decarbonization journey will. And so net zero cloud is us using our full power, using our superpower in the hands of our customers to help them on their own net zero journey. And the beautiful thing is it means that Everybody's role in Salesforce is completely relevant because everybody's been hired at Salesforce in large part to get digital tools into the hands of our customers, whether you're a salesperson or focused on success or marketing or engineering, all of us. Now can rally behind that goal with huge impact that'll be far far bigger than Salesforce's own full value chain emissions. Which, by the way, um, you know we are committed to net zero. Um, we've reached net zero greenhouse gas emissions this year across all of scope one, two, and three. We hit our one hundred percent renewable energy goal for our operations. So you know we are also walking the walk trying to show the best path forward all while helping our customers and our suppliers get there as well.
0: So you just released version 2.0 of the Net Zero Cloud. I noticed quite a few little updates. I'm going to point to one that I really love. Um, I I feel like it's a really significant one where you help people with scope three. What's so significant about that? And, you know, I'm sure, you want oh, to out some other features? <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, you know well, how long?
5: How long do we have? Right, uh, so many exciting things about this release, um, and let's just zoom right in on the scope three piece and why it's so exciting. Three things. Number one, the era of any company being judged only by its scope one and two activities is completely over. We're now in a world where every brand, every company, every product needs to be evaluated across all of scope one, two, and three. Uh, and for those less familiar with that vernacular, it just means everything from the very high end of the supply chain all the way through to your role in it and all the way down to the use of that product or service. Um, so that's one reason companies need to have this data. Number two is it it's completely integrated with Slack. So Salesforce made its largest acquisition to date this past year, and Slack is sure a a communication and collaboration tool, but also with Slack commands, you can send and receive information from suppliers to customers seamlessly. And so we've used Slack to help on this scope three challenge. And then the third really, really exciting thing to me is if you're talking about scope three, you're mostly talking either about upstream supply chain emissions, or downstream product use emissions. And in either direction, even though it's not always obvious, you're talking about a customer relationship. So when you're looking upstream to to suppliers, you're using your voice as their customer, trying to get them to do things differently. And you're thinking about your downstream impacts, you're thinking about how your customers are choosing and using your products and services. And so this customer relationship is At the heart of what Salesforce does, we are the customer relationship management leader, the CRM leader. And here with this, you know, what we're joking about is we've got a new CRM in town and that's carbon relationship management. And with scope three and with Slack and everything we're doing, we're changing the relationship that every company has with their carbon footprint.
0: Right. So one last question for you before I let you go, Uh, you, introduced the sustainability exhibit, uh, your own procurement contract about a year ago now. And that is your scope three, right? Um, those are the people that influence you. But they're also um, small companies that have not, might not have focused on this as much. So I'm kind of curious what progress you've made and any advice you can give to other big companies about how they can uh, help their smaller suppliers along the way.
5: Absolutely happy to give you an update. And the, there'll be math and assured metrics behind that update over the next few weeks as we close out the fiscal year just a couple of weeks ago and get this data into our 10K and our stakeholder impact report. But um, we, we built the, the sustainability exhibit in part, again, because of this customer relationship. We want all of our suppliers to know that Salesforce really wants climate action from them. And for us, upstream supply chain emissions are a big part of our scope one, two, three, full value chain footprint. So so moving suppliers is critically important. And the amazing thing is, you know, so what we did was we made climate contractual um, and we told all of our suppliers that effective immediately, climate would be a part of all standard purchasing agreements going forward and It was really a call for collaboration more than anything, and that's how it was received. It was amazing. We got so much more attention and outreach from suppliers who wanted to be the first known adopter of it and how excited they were and how much this validated what they'd been saying internally about how customers want this sort of action from their company. So the reception has been incredibly positive. The adoption has been even higher than we thought. And you touched on, you know, every suppliers at a different place on their journey, big suppliers, small suppliers. And this is our we're just trying to signal that the world needs bold action from everyone and use that as a way to engage in a conversation. It will be hard for some. And we want to know that now, and work with them, rather than wait, we don't have time to wait. So we want to know where it's easy and know where it's hard, not from a place of shaming or penalties, but just so that we can get to work, because there's no getting around the climate crisis here, we need everybody to act. And so you asked what I could uh, give advice about to other large companies. I think that, you know, first of all, if Salesforce is a customer of yours, just know that we really are calling as loudly as we can for bold action from you. And the other thing is take that sustainability exhibit. We published it for all to see, take it, put it on your letterhead, improve it, you know, and, and send it out to your suppliers. And if we're one of your suppliers, send it to us, push us too. We're all in this together and we need to push each other and help each other.
0: Great. Well, Patrick, thank you for spending some time with us. I really appreciate it.
5: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: You
0: just heard from Patrick Flynn, the Global Head of Sustainability for Salesforce.
1: And that's our 350 podcast for this week from GreenBiz 22. As always, go to greenbiz.com slash 350 to learn more about the organization, the stories and events we mentioned this week. While you're on the site, check out our free weekly newsletters. It's a great way to stay up to date all week long, all year long. Just go to greenbiz.com newsletters to sign up. We welcome your comments, questions, and tips. Just hit us up at 350 at greenbiz.com. I'll be off next week, but Heather will be back with senior editor Deanna Anderson with another edition of Green Biz 350. Until then, from all of us here at Green Biz Group, I'm Joel McCower. We'll see you next time.
4: This
0: episode was sponsored by SIBO Technologies, creator of SIBO Enterprise, which verifies, quantifies, and grows a company's ESG, carbon, and scope three impact, tracking progress towards sustainability goals, and proving the benefit of regenerative agriculture programs. For more information, please visit sibotechnologies.com.